0: Before this episode gets underway, I'd like to make an apology and clarification. In episode one, I referred to Lawrence Watson's Twitter page as Watsi's Table Soccer. It is, of course, Watsi's Subutio Art, so my sincerest apologies to Lawrence. Now, on with the show. Marcel Proust once wrote about collecting. Certainly, it is more reasonable to devote one's life to women than to postage stamps, old snuff boxes, or even to paintings and statues. But of course, he'd never known the joys of playing Subutio. In this episode of Finger Flicking Good, I'll be focusing on the collecting side of the game. I'll be finding out what it was that got our contributors into collecting in the first place, what it means to them, as well as finding out what problems the modern collector faces in today's world of lockdown. Along with their stories of collecting, we'll also hear about the beauty of products they consider the holy grail of collecting, and how close each of them have come to getting their hands on them. That, and much, much more, is coming up in this edition of Finger Flicking Good. Keep listening. collector is defined by the oxford english dictionary as being one who collects or gathers together what they collect or gather together of course depends on what kind of collector they describe themselves as there are many in the online subbutia community who describe themselves as players collectors or painters many start as players and end up as collectors some come to the game later in life purely to collect but what they all share, however, is a deep affection for the game. Stuart Grant is known as the Subutio Collector. He chronicles his journey as a collector on his popular YouTube program, Ubutio. You Here, he talks about how easy it is to fall into collecting.
1: So when me and my missus
0: moved out, we moved into a flat
1: when we first got together and it had a massive, massive loft. And I mean a huge loft. I mean... By the time I was finished up there, I had about six pictures set up. But I remember being bored one day, just sitting at home, thinking, Mrs. was at work. I was on my own. I thought, I'm going to set up a Sputio Stadium in the loft. And I thought back to a time when I remember my, my old flatmate when we had a flat together. He said to me, I day I'm going to be a right sad git and I'm going to have a train set in the loft. I don't care what people think. I'm going to do it. And I remember always remember saying to him, no, 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 no. It's all about having a Sputio Stadium in the loft. You've got to have a Sputio Stadium. And i like, tell you what, Mike, you do your train set. I'll do the stadium. And that's where it all sort of spiralled. I didn't really want to get into collecting. All I wanted to do was build the stadium that I had as a kid in this loft. And then it just sort of spired from there. So I bought a set to get a pitch. Then I went on eBay, bought my first grandstand. It all just sort of snowballed. And then by the end of it, I realised there was the cricket, there was the rugby. I was like, oh, I'll just get one of them as well. Then I got offered a load of teams from someone I know at a shop. So I bought them and it just sort of snowballed. And I thought in the end... I just sort of fell into it and now I've got a stadium in the loft in the new house where I am that I'm building I've got this set up in my Subutio room where I do all my filming I've got too many teams too many sets I waste too much money I seem to talk about uh, it snowballed out of control but for me it all started just wanting to build that original Subutio stadium
0: When I first started playing Subutio back in the 1970s collectors just weren't a thing people simply played now As that generation has grown into middle age, some of them have wanted to recapture the fun they had as a player back when they were children. And I believe it's this desire for nostalgia that drives the modern collector. For many, their starting point is their own childhood collection. If they're lucky enough to still have it, of course. Ross Makovich is on Twitter as Subutio Brummy, And here he talks about what reignited his passion for collecting Subutio after spending his childhood doing just that
2: so like many when i was a child um had all the sets had all the teams my parents spoilt me in that regard Uh, absolutely loved it um as a kid um get to your teens then you focus in on other things and then you kind of dies off but what really happened and what uh made it escalate into what it is now is lockdown um owe a lot to that i know it's been a horrible horrible year um but during that period when you milling around the house and that sort of thing i ended up going in the loft and i knew that i had a lot of childhood memories and uh paraphernalia that i had um that I moved into my house and it was just gathering dust really um and i saw that i had all my sets still i had all my teams all my accessories um, but what really galvanized it was um i know quite a bit to Stuart, the sabuto collector because when you're obviously when you're um in lockdown and you're looking on youtube his channel come up I started watching the videos and it really piqued my interest again. Um, So I owe a lot to him, and I think a few people will probably say the same as well.
0: Most people appear to have started collecting as young children, and it's those teams and accessories that form the nucleus of most of their collections. Here, Paul Pearson, who paints teams to order as kits for flicks, recalls how he started collecting as a child and when disaster struck his beloved childhood collection.
3: It was in the early 80s, uh, my, my brother, uh, older brother, had a set. I have no idea um, how he came across it because I can't even remember him having the original box or anything. All I remember from back then is he had a pitch on a a piece of chipboard that he kept behind the sofa in the living room. And he had a few teams. I think he had a, a, a Southampton, a Newcastle, a West Ham. Um, and he used to play it with his mates and I used, I used to watch. I was only about seven, maybe seven or eight at the time. Um, and then in 1987 uh, for Christmas, my mum and dad bought me my first set, which was the I think that the edition with the uh, at the picture of Everton against Coventry and the charity shield on the front of it. That was my first set. Um, and it, it grew from there. There was a there was a shop just down the road in, in, in the local, the local town from me, uh, that sold Sabutio. So on a Saturday morning, I'd have my pocket money and I'd go down there and I'd buy a team. Um, and then like a lot of us, uh, it got to sort of, you know, you become a teenager and you become interested in girls and things like that. And, and the Subutio all got put up in the loft. Um, and then, years later uh, my mum and dad had their chimney taken out and the guys that did that completely cleared the loft and all of my Subutio collection was gone forever so a few years ago I um oh. I started it up again and I started I started collecting it again so yeah it was a bit of a sad tale
2: <laughs> towards
3: the end but um you know one of those things I suppose
0: If you weren't inspired to start your own collection, then usually it's someone else who inspires you. For Callum Westwood of Westwood Table Soccer, it was his dad's collection that first nudged him into becoming a collector himself. Here, he remembers the early days of collecting. Surprisingly for someone so young, it was a time before the internet changed everything forever. i
4: say just growing up around it. So, I mean, I would always look on in awe at the the green boxes that my dad had. He had this, like, um, it's like a long sideboard type thing. It had these, like, slidey doors on it, and all his teams were in there. And, I don't know, I was just always looking at them, always trying to steal players out of them to put into my team. So, like I say, I've always played with lightweights back in the day, but if I could, I would change some of the players with spare heavyweight figures that my dad had. (laughs) So, I've just always been sort of into it and seeing the heavyweights and that's probably my biggest influence in the whole studio thing is my dad and then when we got older we used to travel around the country in the studio club um like collecting things obviously when ebay first came around i mean i can remember a time before before the internet and before ebay so um collecting studio then was more about the free ads and trying to get together then when the internet first came around it was sort of ebay and then, like I say, we had the Sputio Club and we used to use um, uh, Sputio Forum and stuff to like chat and sell. And then we'd get together maybe four or five times a year across different parts of the country to have like collector's fairs and things. So, like the collecting thing was always really fun. And the meeting of the people, some of the guys that we used to have back then, they're just, I don't know, they're just not around anymore. They're just not involved in the, in the more modern stuff, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, so collecting for me sort of started out looking on in awe. my dad's stuff falling in love with it and then wanting to get my own and you know i had my dad sort of supported me in that and when we traveled around and stuff it was quite easy to to see all these teams that were available and because you can actually hold them and touch them buying them was a little bit safer than it was on ebay so that's how i got into it
0: as i said earlier when i got into sabutio back in the 1970s there was no such thing as a collector we were only players Granted. Some players owned sets, had a wide range of teams and lots of accessories. I wasn't one of them. I still amn't. Everything I own to this day I play with regularly. And I'm not the only one who feels this way. Here's Paul Pearson again.
3: Once I started the painting, I I got I I kind of thought to myself, you know what, I've just got all of these things and they're they're sat in a box doing nothing. Um I don't have as much time on my hands now to to play games and things. Um, I've always been an advocate of if you get these things, don't keep them in a box, don't keep them packed away, play with them because that's why they were produced. They were produced to play with and enjoy. And I wasn't using them for that reason. So I just thought, you know what, let's let's shift a few of them to people that I know are going to enjoy them. And so that's what I did. I, I, I sold um a fair chunk of it but i i do still have most of it i mean i've i've like i said earlier i've got all of the newcastle teams that were ever produced and i will not part with them for anything
0: it doesn't really matter what collectors collect stamps coins football programs for them there will always be a holy grail the one item that their heart desires more than any other usually it's out of reach, and it's the rarity value attached to it that makes it the Holy Grail. I asked each of our contributors what they considered the Holy Grail of collecting. First up, it's Lawrence Watson of What's East the Subutio Art? Well,
5: the the Holy Grail of, uh, of the Subutio, I would say the statues, is uh, the Rombolos Cup or the League Cup, you know, the, the old League Cup. Um... And if you'd knew that it was going to be as popular or as scarce to buy back then, you'd you'd definitely bought it. But we didn't buy that cup for the the reason that it was it it wasn't a great cup. It it didn't look nice. It wasn't the main cup like the FA Cup or the European Cup or the World Cup. So no one bought them. And then they must. I don't know if they never. They didn't. They went into like some sort of like. They just evaporated, like nobody used them or nobody bought them, so they must have went back to factories and must get on use and and now there there's only so many of them about. So, I think now you're talking the guts of 100 a 150 and fifty pound or something. Sometimes you can see them on on eBay there. Um, I did follow one, I did watch one, um, and I was tempted to pay about seventy pound. There was a couple of hours left on it one evening, and I had. Put this. I think I put seven sixty-seven pound or something. Then as my bid, and then I panicked when I bid, when We put the bid in. I went, oh, the wife's going to go mental. She finds out I've bought a trophy for seventy seventy <clears throat> pound. So as the, the time ticked down, the bid started coming in. I was I was and then I considered rebid. No, rebid, but I couldn't justify the price. Um, I think it ended up selling for eighty-nine or ninety pound or something. But I know that's the sort of the good price to get them at then. So say that I was close, yeah, I was close to buying it, Um, but I think if I had bought it, it was a way back when I was buying more stuff, and I probably bought it and resold it, and and took a loss on it, you know, just not being able to justify it, you know, that way, but whereas now, if I had it, you, you would justify the price, but we'll see, we'd have to think, we'd have to search eBay and find somebody, somebody not realizing what they're selling, you know, that way, before you would buy it at a good price.
0: Like Lawrence Watson, Stuart Grant agrees that the League Cup is indeed the holy grail for many. But being the proud owner of one, he has other things to hunt down.
1: Well, let's, let's say it's the Coca-Cola Cup. It's not the Rumbelows Cup, Coca-Cola Cup. <laughs> um for me, right now, it's probably Munich, the Munich set. That's the one I really want, either the Munich set or the world of sport. that they are they cost what, five, six, seven hundred pounds a time. If I could find one of them somewhere, I'd be absolutely laughing. That is what I really want to get my hands on. One of them old, proper sets. Probably more the World of Sports set, because that was more sort of as I was born. If I could get my hands on one of them, wow. That's got the football, the cricket, the rugby. It's got absolutely everything in it, in that nice sort of leveret case. That's what I'm chasing. But I'll be chasing that for a long, long while, because they are not cheap at all.
0: Ross Makovic is another who agrees that the League Cup is much sought after. But like Stuart Grant, he has other targets on his shopping list and he's prepared to be patient to get them.
2: Really, really want, and I spoke to Stuart about this a couple of months back, is the, is the League Cup. That seems to be the holy grail <laughs> every time that comes up online. It seems to go for ridiculous prices. I've seen one uh, with a broken handle um, and you could see there's about 12 bidders on it um so it's difficult to get one of them um i try to be patient with the collecting aspect i I know at some point if there's something that i really want that'll come up hopefully i'll get lucky uh and find a piece but i i like collecting the sets i've got this thing for the early 80s sets i love the um i love the box work i love the artwork um i like to see the old um adidas tango balls on them the old kits um, I'm looking at one now um, with the the club edition with the the Brazil playing Spain. It's just a fantastic image. Um, the guy's got World Cup boots on and he's got the tango. So if I see something that aesthetically looks great, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get it. Um, but as I say, the some other collectors will see other items as holy grails. Um, the Sabutio pad online. He's got. Um, He's got an incredible collection. I'm just in total awe of, of, of what he's got up there. And he's a really nice chap as well. I'll speak to him quite a bit uh, on Twitter. Um, but for me, the one piece I really, really want at the moment is that European edition. don't know why. Just, I just really, <laughs> just really want it. I think it's more for the fact that it's quite rare. Uh, and also the box work as well. You've got um, West Germany versus France on there and it looks a really cool set.
0: However... It's not always the big-ticket, glamorous items that collectors seek. Stephen Hurrell, who writes the influential blog Subutio Online, has much more modest things on his collecting radar.
6: I've discussed this a lot. Um, There are a couple of things that obviously I think every collector have to learn a little bit about what what things are worth and what's rare, like to get their hands on. So, I mean, the League Cup trophy is, is one that is still reasonably affordable but is quite rare and i know a lot of people are looking to get their hands on that one um and then there are the sort of extreme things like the the sabuto uh, world of sports compendium which was the the very limited edition box set in a lovely leather case that had sort of football cricket rugby all in one place um and, and you know that's probably the rarest one of the most expensive and you know the one that i think everybody would love to own personally for me I As I say, I collect sort of 90s eras for UCO, and there's a few teams there that I would really like. I recently got my hands on Sampdoria, so I'm very pleased with that because it's one of my favourite kits and teams. Um, but I would, I would like to get a lot more of the sort of foreign teams. There's a lot of Dutch teams that are very nice. Um, so there's probably not one product, not one item, but there are a sort of collection of teams. And um, the crazier the kits, the better. And it's just a matter of uh, uh, sitting around waiting for them to come available. So at the moment, quite far off getting some of the teams that I would like.
0: Callum Westwood considers a big ticket glamorous items to be something that the diehard collectors want. But for him, like Stephen Hurrell, it's some of the more unusual items, particularly from the heavyweight era, that get him excited.
4: Everyone, I think it's different for everyone. There's always been the Munich World Cup set. There's always been the so-called holy grail of sputio um mainly because of the box not because of what's in it what's in it is all really really common stuff um the box is what makes it the rare thing i know there's the is it the world of sports set that people go on about that's got everything in it the polystyrene trades and things but this is what i mean like for me i would more likely prefer the munich set because it's heavyweight over the world of sports set which is more of a modern thing I've come close to the Munich set because my my dad actually has one. He got one um, about two years ago, maybe even 18 months ago. But for me, it's like, like I say, everything that's in it is fairly basic. It's all standard Samuto stuff. The box is what makes it the Holy Grail for that sort of generation of collector. Um, in terms of other things, there's, there's like rare teams, you've got the special order teams that are very difficult to get hold of because obviously they're special order. So you don't know how many of them were ever made. And then it's, Getting your the provenance behind it but yeah for me what would I say is my holy grail and I think I'd say I've probably got it there's nothing I really want like a ref 36 was always a big deal for me um I don't know why it was I've just always quite liked Betis, and it was a kit that I always wanted I already had a Leicester 192 so for me personally in my collection it was the 36 but now because I paint like nothing team wise is out of my reach because if I can't afford it then I'll just paint it so that's how I look at it but yeah for a lot of people I think it's the the rarer box sets um, whether that be the early celluloid sets or getting us a sub hockey maybe or the world of sports set I think that's the stuff that the real collectors cover over people like myself who are mainly just team collectors and stuff like that
0: Sometimes, even collectors realise that their obsession may never be realised and simply give up the pursuit of their holy grail at any cost. David Hoggard, who's on Twitter as GoTableSoccer,
7: is one of them. What I would really like is um, a Palermo Heavyweight 98. Um... I've got overexcited before when I've seen a a, a repaint. Somebody's marked it as a repaint, but I just saw Palermo 98. Um, (laughs) uh, I've also seen an original Palermo 98, which wasn't in very good condition, and I wasn't prepared to pay that money. Um, You know, to me, if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I would want it to be in a fairly decent condition. Um, but again, it's not, I I take it, if I get pleasure out of doing it, then I'll do it. But it's not the be all and end all. If I don't get that, yes, I'd like it, but you know, there's, like I say, there's plenty of other things in the Subutio landscape that you can spend your money on. Like I say, whether it's modern creators, um, Oh, buying a table, you know. Like I said, I've got my 5 side table from flick for kicks which is a wonderful piece of equipment. Um, You know, things like that. Subutio collectors, like
0: many of those who devote their time to the accumulation of collectible items, are fortunate to be in a position where they have both the disposable income and the time to spend on their hobby.
7: Here's David Hoggard again. I think that's probably it, because... I'd, like, my parting lifestyle had had ended, you know, I'd actually stopped drinking sort of like 10 years ago. Um, It was, you know, advised on health grounds, so I thought, well, you know, fine, I'll, I'll do that. Didn't miss it. But then you start thinking, well, what else can you do with your time? And... I just became fascinated with Subutio and I just love Peter Upton's site. I can't express how much I actually love that site. (laughs) Uh, And I would spend hours just looking at it. And then there was, uh, I found via the LPM online site, I found the Little Plastic Men website, which is a wonderful site. Um, And I spent a lot of time, looking at that as well and then I started researching more and more into it and I gradually got into painting which I never expected to do.
0: The global coronavirus pandemic has not been kind to the Sibutio collecting community. On the auction sites bargains have become harder and harder to find. Stuart Grant thinks the Sibutio community hasn't always helped itself in this regard. And he's got something to say about the license holders Hasbro too. Here he is.
1: Oh, it's hard. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a really, really hard question to answer. I mean, people people look at me and sort of think, oh, I'm this massive collector. I'm not. My, my collection is quite humble compared to some. There's people out there with massive, massive, massive collections. Mine, I don't think is actually that big. I just shout loudest about it. But if I'm honest, the biggest problem we face nowadays is probably ourselves as a community, we, we love Subutio, but we don't want to give new Subutio a chance, we're very much like, oh, new stuff's rubbish, we don't give it the chance it deserves, and the people that own Subutio nowadays don't really look to the community for much suggestions, they kind of just want to do their own thing, whereas if they look to the community, they'd probably find out not just what we want, but what other people want to get into it, they're very much a sort of a pain to themselves. They don't help themselves out. If they spoke to the community, they'd find out a collecting area. They'd find out something they could probably sell to people. The price is quite a big issue nowadays, I think, with collecting, especially for for me. I mean, I've got a new baby, six months old, Got a five-year-old son. We're obviously in the middle of a global pandemic. Money's sort of tight for everyone, but since lockdown started, the price has gone up and up and up on to And For me, I remember when, I mean, I first started, what, 2014? you could buy a grandstand for £20 on eBay. Whereas now, people are paying like £60 for them and the price has just skyrocketed. I mean, that's a good thing because it shows that. I suppose it shows it's valuable, it shows it's got its worth, it's collectible. But at the same time, for a collector like me, who is a bit of a tightwad, that's a bit of a problem because I like to sniff out a bargain and it's getting harder and harder to sniff out a bargain. And then with more people coming back into it, which is good, we sort of create our own problem because we do all this promotion, for and we want people to come into it. We're like, yeah, more people involved. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, now there's more people wanting to buy this stuff and we're competing with ourselves. It's a really bittersweet problem. It's a good problem. It's a great problem to have. But the community as a whole, we are probably, we're one of the smallest collecting communities. I mean, you go online, you look online, you see people doing like retro gaming collections, you see people collecting, I don't know, Waterford Crystal. And I guarantee you could go on the internet and see loads of pages, loads of different forums where people won't know each other because it's so big. But with Subutio, it's such a small community. We battle against ourselves. Everyone kind of knows everyone. Or if you don't know someone, you know someone that will. And we're always battling against ourselves, which is good. And we we don't always let people in to the site cy- to the cycle. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to say, all right, Moni, I'll sod here. I find I'll let anyone in, talk to everyone, try and get people into it. But there is people that be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting into Subutio. And they'll say something on one of the groups or one of the forums. They'll say something about Subutio, but I'll ask a question. And then they'll be made to look a little bit silly sometimes because they don't know the answer. And there'll be people saying, oh, don't worry, we'll blah, blah, blah. But then that can leave them feeling a little bit offish. So I suppose the community may be a little bit of a problem as well. But then that's something that's not a major problem. The biggest problem is the people that own Subutio. People that own Subutio just can't seem to find the right niche or find the right market to get it out into the masses again. If they just spoke to us in the community, it would help them,
0: more than help them. Stephen Hurrell is in complete agreement with Stuart on affordability. And he has some very sound advice for the licence holders Hasbro about building the game for the future and keeping it alive. I mean,
6: the obvious problem that I think is price now, um, and availability, you know, that there, there's, there was a huge amount of Subutio made in, 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 you know, in the last sort of 50, 60 years, and there are hundreds and thousands of teams sat in people's attics. And we, we do see that, you know, particularly during lockdown and, and in 2020, people are discovering those sets again, but what it's also done, and this isn't particularly a bad thing, it's just inspired so many more people to come back to collecting. And it means that, you know, prices are sky high now, I think, um, as soon as a a good set becomes available, it's very difficult to get your hands on it at a, a, you know, what I would class as a reasonable price, but, you know, it's the price of success. And if we do want the game to be back and and become popular, then, you know, that's, that's a good thing. And I do think that, you know, things like my blog and, you know, there's some amazing subutio channels out there, the Facebook groups, they've probably contributed to those higher prices, Um, but it's a sort of price I'm willing to pay because it means that, communities back up and thriving i think another issue with collecting at the moment is that there really isn't much new servicio that is worth collecting um i i I wrote recently about hornby and how they've sort of turned around the company in the last year or so obviously with lockdown people are going back to their model train sets and i think they're a great example of a company that you know they release special editions every christmas they release release the santa express they just on stevenson's rocket that sort of thing um And I think the key to inspiring a generation of collectors and keeping that interest in the sport there, you need new collectibles as well as the older stuff. And I think that's a major problem with Subutio in that there's not a huge amount coming out that is new and collectible.
0: Ross Makovic firmly believes that lockdown has sent prices on the auction sites crazy. Here are his views on what's happened to the Subutio collecting market since lockdown.
2: But what's happened, and I've noticed this, um, and I think more experienced collectors will probably um, agree with this as well, is that the prices have really hiked um, over the last few months. And I think it's just because more people are getting more involved in Subutio. Um, I think this year, especially, as I say, with lockdown, that's that's kind of snowballed up. Um, Like I I said in the week on Twitter, that there was some some really nice sets that come up. I've been after a a Subutio European edition for a while now. Um, but some of the prices um, that you see on eBay are just astronomical compared to what they would have been before. Um, so I think that's a challenge. I think finding a bargain now is is more difficult than it than it used to be. Um, but I was lucky. Um, I had a really big collection as it was as a child. I mean, it could have easily been chucked out or it could have been um, car booted, as I say. So I, I, I owe that to my parents. I mean, other stuff that's been I tried to think what else has been car booted when I was younger. Um, it's, and I think a lot of people say the same as well where you try and get that nostalgic back um, and that's what I've tried to do with, with Subutio and, and as I say the, I think the, the issue for a lot of people now is just the pricing, it seems to have gone up, um, you've probably seen it in the week as well, the the World of Sports set went for just under £2,000 pounds, which I didn't even think that was even possible um, but there's some really good collectors online that have got greater knowledge of me and what, what, what something should be worth but I try to be sensible with, with what I bid for. And also when you're out and about in charity shops, you, can, you, you find a bargain or two as well. I've, I've done that. I've found some Subutio teams, like three or four pounds, and that's been great. Um, but certainly on bind, I think the big challenge now is that the prices are just hiking up a little bit too much.
0: So far, all of our contributors agree on one thing. The price is just too high now for many collectors. But it's not just price and availability that seems to be the issue for those wanting to collect Subutio products. Lawrence Watson believes that there are a lot of sellers out there who simply don't understand the market. I think the main
5: problem now for anyone collecting is there's just that many people doing it. And then there's that many people that have it, have the the, the stuff there, and they're not using it. And then they're, what they're saying is, you know, you would see somebody selling, say, uh, an LA Cosmo, or a, New York Cosmos team for five hundred pound, and these people were thinking, "Oh, I have a team similar, and I can do." And you you see them being circulated in WhatsApp groups and stuff. You see teams going sitting on eBay, a bog standard team that you would never pay more than three or four pound for, and people are trying to sell them for a hundred and twenty pound. They just don't get, they don't get the market. They they don't realize there's people out there that know what these things are worth, so they're just putting the price up on them ridiculous and. I know, speaking to some of the the guys on Twitter and stuff, the the big collectors, they just can't they can't justify paying the stuff the money that the people are selling it for, and I think the only place now is to get it, and it's a problem for us here in Northern Ireland, um, or Ireland, the whole Ireland. Nobody ever played it as much as it did in the UK, so the people in the UK are taking it to the charity shops, so that's where you're picking up the bargains, you know. But for us, there's the you go to a charity shop, you're lucky if you find any Subutio and you could go to Kent Shops and you might find one piece of video in it whereas in the UK you'll go when you're guaranteed maybe a, a, a set or a Teams or accessories you know so for us over here the only real place to buy it is eBay um, and it's just like I say the prices are just ridiculous what people are looking for stuff you know I go on every now and again just out of uh, curiosity and you wouldn't you wouldn't bother bidding I mean it's just crazy money left.
0: I'll leave the last word on the problems that face collectors with Callum Westwood. He believes that there's a darker problem facing the modern collector, one that may be hard to spot for those who are new to the market.
4: Um, for if, if they're wanting to collect heavyweight stuff, I would say the main issue is there are a number of people that are very good at faking teams um, to the point where you can see you can see a team that you know they faked and you can put it alongside a team that's legit and it's very, very difficult to tell. So there's always that. I think it would be hard for people that are collecting and it's very difficult to 100% guarantee things nowadays. Um, obviously, that's one of the biggest issues. Um, but if they just want to collect teams, there's so many people out there that are painting things and getting into it and, you know, there's so many other means to get, Subutio-like figures that aren't legitimate Subutio but if you're a heavyweight collector the hardest thing is being 100% sure you know what you're getting and prices in a way I think it's like anything people see you know you'll get one team that will go for a lot of money and then everyone thinks that everything is worth that amount of money so the prices shoot up and it, you know, it can be quite difficult I suppose for in that, in that respect as well
0: Collecting anything is never easy But for those of you who are returning to the game after some years away and are tempted to dip your toes in the water, then hopefully this episode of Finger Flickin' Good has been of some help to you. Remember, all of our contributors are active online and if you would like some advice from them about buying from the market, or perhaps to buy any of the marvellous products that they offer on their sites, then you can find their contact details in the episode notes. In the next episode, I'll be looking at the business aspect of the game and checking its health. As it heads into its ninth decade of production. So if you don't want to miss the show, then subscribe to Finger Flickin' Good on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finger Flickin' Good is an airtime production. It's written and presented by me, Derek Ayer, with contributions in this episode from Stuart Grant, David Hoggard, Ross Makovich, Paul Pearson, Stephen Hurrell, Lawrence Watson. Callum Westwood. The theme music is Drive. It's written and produced specially for the program by Campbell Air of the Creature Appeal. Check them out on Apple Music, Amazon Music and Spotify.